Good morning, everyone. Okay, let me get all my stuff out. I am so excited to be here. I'm so glad that you are here. Um, leading up to today, I, oh, I have been so nervous. I've been so nervous, just worried about what I'm going to say, how I'm going to say it. Up until yesterday, let me just walk around a little bit. Up until yesterday, um, I was just excited. I told one of my friends, I'm just excited to speak today. Not because of me, but up until yesterday, everybody who spoke, it's been such a blessing. And everything I'm going to say today has already been hit on by all the speakers one way or another. And that is the Lord. You know, you give five ladies one theme, one topic, and we all show up and it all flows and it all goes and it all speaks to our hearts. That is the Lord. And so I'm just excited because I believe what I have is just from the Lord. It's not from me. So I'm going to pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak to these ladies today. Um, thank you for Mrs. Wilkerson and all her work, Lord. Thank you for their efforts, for being here. I pray that you would just fill me with your spirit, speak through me, help me to say only what you would have me to say, and help the ladies here to open their hearts, Lord, to just draw closer to you. Amen. I was born to my parents in Chicago Heights, Illinois. I was not born in a Christian home. Um, when I was one year old, I, my uncle had a tragic accident. He actually just got ordained on Sunday. Um, but he had a tragic accident when I was just one. And I don't remember it, but I hear the stories. He was working on construction, a 29-story building. Him and his boss, they fell. His boss died instantly, but my uncle survived. He survived, and it was a miracle of an accident. And my uncle, during that time before that, he was living a very worldly lifestyle. Um, but that was kind of like a wake-up call for him. And so he started searching for the Lord, searching for scriptures, um, and found God, got saved, and jumped all in. And so he uh, started witnessing to his brothers and his sisters, and one of them being my dad. And so he witnesses to my dad, my parents get saved, and um, my parents get saved. And so they did not start going to church faithfully or anything. Um, I think for whatever reason, some uncles did, some uncles didn't, but the kids, they started coming to this church. Well, I don't remember, but I'm told by my bus captain when I was four that I just couldn't wait to get on the bus to go to this church because my cousins did, my brother did, and so I did. I went on um, the bus to this church, and I never stopped going ever since, um, and I love this church. And so that's when I was four, and again, my parents, they were saved, but they didn't attend church faithfully. And so I would come on a bus, my brother would come on a bus, my cousins would come on a bus, um, fast forward a couple years, my uncle got his children into a Christian school, our Christian school here. And so my, uh, my, his brother, my dad, followed and put us in a Christian school. And so I went to Hammond Baptist first grade and then second grade on the first day of school, um, my dad went and dropped us off. And I didn't know it at the time, but come to find out my dad was going through a hard time during that time. And he would drink, and again, he would maybe go to church. My mom tells me he would go to church some Sundays, but during the week, he would just live a different lifestyle. Um, and so then, uh, second grade that day, I guess he was just having a rough day, and he um, actually got in a car accident. He was dr uh, drinking that day. There was a four-car accident. He was the youngest there, um, and he was the reason for the accident, and he died that day. He was only 29. And I was only seven, so that, I, I don't remember 
much of that day. I remember getting picked up. I remember people crying. I remember a funeral. I remember my mom having a really hard time, but I don't remember having a hard time during that time. I believe my season of grief came later in life when I realized that I didn't have a dad or I missed my dad or, you know, just a season of grief later that I just felt like I was the only one of my friends that didn't have their dad sitting with them in church and all of that. But at that time, I don't remember much. And fast forward a couple years after that, when I was about 10, my mom starts dating again. And that was a season of confusion for me. I hated it. I did not like it. I did not understand um, why she would do that. And looking back, she was still so young. She deserved, and I'm, and I'm glad she found somebody. Um, but during that time, me and my stepdad have a great relationship now. And I love him, and I call him dad. But during that time, I hated him. I did not like him. He would come over, and I would hide, and I would be rude, and I was bitter. Um, my mom is here, so she's probably laughing because I was just not a nice person. Um, but he stuck around, and eventually we got, we got to know each other, and we got along. Um, and him and my mom got together. I need some water. That's not mine. <sighs> he and my mom ended up having three kids together, my siblings now. And by the time they came along, um, I was already in high school. So I felt like I was their second mom. I did everything with them. I got to take care of them. And looking back, um, I tried to give them everything that I had ever wanted. I had wanted um, someone taking me to church. I had wanted someone sitting with me in church. And so I did that for them. I brought them, and they would come with me, and we would sit together, and I would involve them in everything I could. And now I, have my, I, I keep calling them the kids, my younger siblings, but one of them is in college, and two of them are in high school. But I, I just grew up investing in them and, and just loving on them. And so then, fast forward, I, I dated my husband in high school. Um, I got married to him in college in 2015. And I remember having a conversation with him like, you know, I take my siblings every week to church. They come on the bus route with me. Can we still bring them to church? Because if I don't, who will? And of course, my husband said, yeah, let's do it. And so we would pick them up every Sunday. They would come to church with us. They would sit with us. And we, again, we would involve them in everything we could. And um, then fast forward a couple years after that, we have our first child, Tyler, who is five now. Um, we have him, or we're about to have him, and I remember just thinking, what are we going to do? We had a small car at the time. You know, my three siblings would not fit in our car with the car seat, and now, you know, just a different season of life. And I remember praying about it and just being so burdened about it. Like, am I going to have to get a van or a bigger car just to take my siblings to church? And as I prayed about it, you know, the Lord answered, and my older brother, who's just like four years older than I am, he had stepped away from church for a little while, but then he came back. And he was attending a Spanish church in the area during this time. And so he lets me know, you know what, I'm going to start taking them over here. And I thought, that is great. That's an answer to prayer. They get to keep going to church. Now my brother gets to invest in them. And it was a big answer to prayer. And so then they start going over there. Me and my husband are here with our, our firstborn, Tyler. And um, my brother starts to get very involved in that church. And during this whole time, I, of course, am praying that my parents would go to church. Um, my stepdad was a Catholic. Um, he would say he was a Catholic, but he didn't really practice anything. Um, they just weren't very interested. They would come to church if I invited them, if I was singing or just a special Easter service. They would come, but not faithfully. And so um, my brother started getting very involved in their Spanish church and was going to be a part of their Christmas play. 
And so he invites my parents to this Christmas play. My parents go, and something just clicks. They enjoy it. They want to go back on Sunday. So they go on Sunday, and they go the next Sunday, and they never stopped going. And so they go to that church, and that was a huge answer to prayer. I had been praying for that for 15 years, and my siblings had been praying for that as we have grown up together. And now they attend faithfully there. My siblings attend faithfully there. My brother, in 2019, they had a baptism service um, at this church, and my mom and my dad, they got saved and baptized there, and we were all there to cheer them on. We have a picture of all of us together, and it is just a huge answer to prayer. It's everything I, my, my family's not perfect in, in any way. We all have our flaws, but I'll, we'll get together, and I'll look around. We will pray together, and I'll thank the Lord, how is this my life? I, I, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, do you really think the Lord's going to answer your prayer? I would have said, no, I don't, I don't see it happening, but the Lord answered that prayer. Now, my, um, again, my parents and my siblings attend that church. My older brother and his wife, and he has two kids, they attend that church. Um, my siblings who are in high school attend our Christian school. Me and my husband, and we have three kids. I don't know if you can pull up that picture, Courtney, of our family. Um, we have three kids, and we all attend here. Look at them. Aren't they so cute? I think they're watching, so I'm just going to wave to them. Tyler, Ellie. Um, but anyway, all that to say that, but that was all the Lord. He is so good. He is so faithful. And I just love the life that I, I get to live for him. Everybody, when you came in, you should have received a card. Um, if you didn't, I'm sorry, but you should have received a card. If you didn't, maybe you can raise your hand. Maybe you can get one. Um, but this card has two leaves on it. Two leaves on it. One side has scripture, one side has two leaves. Everybody is going through something. Everybody is going through a season. I know as we have heard so many sessions about embracing your season, I'm sure something has come to mind. Maybe it's a season of loneliness. Maybe it's a season of bitterness. Uh, maybe it's a season of grief, a season of loss. Whatever it is, I want you to write it down. I want you to write it down on one of these leaves. I want you to put a name on it. Maybe it's just a season of motherhood. That's where I am. Lord knows that is hard. That is hard and changes every day. But I want you to write it down. Excuse me while I get my notes. Okay, so I want you to write it down because I'm going to give you five reasons to embrace your season. Five reasons to embrace whatever you're writing down. And maybe you don't even want to write it down. That's okay. And maybe you're thinking, Claudia, I'm actually not going through anything hard. That's okay. Just put this in your Bible. I put two leaves on there because we all know that seasons change. We all know that we can go through something today and it's going to change tomorrow. We all know that we could be going through something this year and it's going to change next year. So I wanted to put two leaves on there so you can have this in your Bible. And when something changes, you can write it there too. Because I want you to remember that even though seasons change, God's word does not change. And there's four verses on there that we're going to talk about here in a minute. And I want you to remember that God doesn't change. His faithfulness doesn't change, even though our seasons do. So five reasons to embrace your season. What does the word embrace mean? The word embrace means to clasp in the arms, to hug, to cherish and love, to receive or take with willingness. I've heard so many ladies say, I love to study words, and so do I. I love to see their definitions. So when I read this, I thought that was so interesting, to receive or take with willingness. 
The whole theme of this conference has been to embrace your season. Are we really asking you to love your season where you are, even though it might be really, really hard? Yes. Are we really asking you to take it willingly? Yes. Your season is from the Lord, and I want to give you five reasons to embrace it. If you can open your Bibles to Psalm 73, 26. Psalm 73, 26. I will have a lot of scripture on, on the IMAGs, and I won't turn to every scripture, but I will turn to this one. If you want to write them down, if you want to turn there or mark it, please feel free to do so, but I will be reading them. In Psalm 73, 26, the Lord says, My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I guess I should read number one. Five reasons to embrace your season. Number one, it shows you your need for the Lord. It shows you your need for the Lord. Um, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, the Lord says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Whenever we go through something hard, it just shows us that we can't do it. We can't do it by ourselves, and we're not supposed to. We're supposed to lean on the Lord, and he wants to show himself strong through us. So um, first reason to embrace your season, it just shows you that you're human and that you need God. Reason number two, it brings you closer to the Lord. The Lord says in Psalm 105, 4, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. James 4, 8, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Let me go back to number one. It shows you your need for the Lord. Um, last year in November, we had our third son, JJ, and he was on the screen. Man, my, I'm just getting a really dry mouth. JJ, he was born in November, and he was born healthy, um, so we thought. But one week into his first appointment, they saw a red flag. It was jaundice, but it was a different kind of jaundice that it, they called it liver jaundice, and they just thought it was going to be more serious. And so his first two months of life, we were at appointments every week. They sent us to Riley's Hospital to get it checked out. They were just trying to cancel out. I think it was called um, hyperbilirubin. I, I don't remember. But it was basically bilirubin levels were really high. And again, it was a type of jaundice, but it was a red flag for something else. And so they just told us, you know, we need to make sure he doesn't have this. We need to make sure his bilirubin levels go down, or he might need a liver biopsy. He might need a liver transplant. And after that transplant, he will still need a transplant when he's a teenager because he has this. And, of course, we were like, okay, we have, you know, I felt like I, this has never happened to me before. This is going to be something I'm going to go through. I was so worried and scared. And, um, again, this was just going through all the newborn things on top of taking him to an appointment and every week getting blood work on his little foot, and it was just hard. Of course, we asked our families and our friends to pray for him, and we thought, I, I didn't want him to go under. I didn't even want to do a biopsy. It scared me, and I did not want that. And so we would pray for him, and I just felt so worried all the time about it, and always waiting for that call every week because he had blood work every week that, hey, his bilirubin levels are either going up or either going down, and they weren't going down. And so finally, after two months, um, they gave him some medicine. Of course, we're praying for him. And finally, we get that call, and they say, he's fine. They say, you know, his bilirubin levels are just fine. They were just take it lo taking longer. I don't know if it was the medicine. And of course, we're like, the Lord answered our prayers. It was God. Like, it's, this is great. And so I finally felt like, oh, I could breathe. I could enjoy my newborn. It was great. And then a couple weeks after that, um, I decided to go run some errands with my daughter, Ellie. She's two. And I thought, I'm going to run some errands today. I had five errands to run. 
And um, I went out. It was a very cold day, a very icy day. And I remember my husband saying, be careful. There's a lot of ice. And I thought, okay, I'm going to be careful. There's a lot of ice. And so then I go out. And our first errand that we run together, I go to UPS, and I have a return to do. And so I go, and as soon as I get out of the car, for some reason I decided to hold my daughter that day, even though she could walk. I had a package in my hand. I'm about to cross the street. This car was coming. They say, you know, go ahead. And as I go to take my first step, I wipe out on this giant piece of ice. And I fell so awkwardly. I heard a crack when I fell down. And I was just like, okay. And so this person in this car runs to me. This person runs to me. This other person, they're like, are you okay? Do you need us to call an ambulance? I'm like, no, no, I don't need an ambulance. I just need help getting up. And so they go to help me get up, and I could not get up. Then I start to panic, and then my daughter Ellie starts crying because I'm panicking, and then I'm just like, okay, can someone just help me get inside the store so I can call my husband? And so they, they help me up into the store. I get in there. They say, do you need anything else? I'm like, no, I'm fine. You know, thank you very much. I'm just going to call my husband. And so I get into UPS, and there's a table, and I'm just kind of leaning on the table trying to figure out, am I okay? Am I going to be all right? And just so I could cross it off my list, I decided to get in line and still return my package. <laughs> and so I go, I get in line, and again, there's a table there. So I'm kind of leaning on the table, trying to feel it out. I return my package, cross that off my list, start walking back to the car. And as I'm walking to the car, it's getting more and more painful. I'm like, OK, I think something, something's off. I am just going to call John, my husband. And so. Um, I call my, or I get my daughter, somehow manage her to still get her in a car seat, walk around, get in my seat, and I go to FaceTime my husband. And so as soon as I FaceTime him, I just lose it. And I'm just like, I just fell, and I think I broke my leg, and I don't know what to do. What should I do? And of course, my husband John is just like, okay, can you drive? And I'm like, it was my left leg, so I, I felt like I could drive. So I'm like, yes, I can drive. He's like, okay, just drive home. We'll put some ice on it, and we'll check it out. And I'm like, okay, I'm on my way. And so I go, and I, it was only two minutes from my house, so I go home, and um, he helps me in. He puts some ice on it. We, you know, I, we watch it for a couple hours. My husband helps coach basketball, and he helps his dad. And so he tells me, he keeps coming in our room, and he says, I have seen a lot of ankle injuries, and I have never seen a broken ankle. You're going to be fine. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be fine. Great. And so he's icing it. I'm taking painkillers, so I'm feeling fine. And so he, later on, comes in and says, you know what, let's just go to the ER just to make sure I'm getting checked out. And I'm like, okay. So we take my kids to my in-laws, drop them off, and we head to the ER. As we are at the ER waiting, we get x-rays as we're waiting because it takes forever, um, we start to talk, like, what are we going to do? The following week after this was going to be tournament week. If you don't know what that means for my husband, it means that he's just going to be gone from sunup to sundown every day of that, of that week because he's very involved in the athletic program and live stream. And I just told him, I'm like, John, next week is tournament week. What am I going to do? I can't have a, a broken foot. I can't have a, a sprained ankle. Like, I have a newborn at home. And he's like, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Just wait. I'm like, OK. And so then the doctor comes in, and she says, you broke your, your leg. And I'm like, oh, OK. And I remember everything after that was a blur. Like, I remember her coming in with, a paperwork, putting a boot on my leg, bringing in crutches, and I don't remember what she said, but I just remember being in shock that I had actually, I had broken the, the bottom of my fibula right next to my ankle, and it, it, was, it was great. And so <laughs> we get in the car to go pick up the kids, and I remember we, we ended up trying to figure out what are we going to do, how are we going to do this, what, what does this mean? And I remember we figured out, okay, you know what, my grandma 
lives with my mom. My grandma is like 80 years old, but she acts like she's 50. She, uh, you know, she, she is just a go-getter. She cleans all day long. She is just, really, she acts like she's 50. And I remember thinking, John, let's call my grandma. Let's see if she can come over and just help me. And so we do. I call my mom. I talk to her about it. Of course, she's like, yeah, whatever you need. And so my grandma ends up staying at our home for four weeks. Um, and that was a huge blessing, a huge blessing. She literally did everything for us. I ended up being on crutches for two weeks, a boot for four weeks after that, and then four weeks of therapy after that. And as I'm telling you all that, it, it, that was a very hard season for me. And I feel silly even saying that as I talk about it now. But when I was in it, it was so hard. And let me explain to you why it was hard. You would think catching a break, not a literal break, but just catching a break from doing all the mom things and all the wife things would be fun and relaxing. No, it was not. Maybe, maybe the first day, maybe the second day. But I got to the third day, and I, I was just feeling so down. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't get in the shower by myself. I couldn't get out of the shower by myself. I'm, I was just going in crutches everywhere. I, could, I had a newborn. I had a newborn, a two-year-old, and a four-year-old. I couldn't carry my newborn from one place to the other. I couldn't play on the floor with him. I couldn't play with my kids or go outside with them. I couldn't do all the things that I did, cook breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and all the snacks in between for kids. And I couldn't make um, dinner for my husband. And again, I feel silly saying that because there's a lot harder things you can go through. But when I was in it, it was so hard. And I just felt so down. And a lot of people helped us. A lot of people. I had a community of people bring us dinner, bring us groceries. My mom, my mother-in-law, they were always there helping us. But I just felt down. And there were a couple nights when, um, again, I have a newborn. And so I'm still having to nurse him at night but I couldn't get up to feed him. So every night I'd have to wake up my husband, he'd have to get the baby, take him to me so I could nurse him and then put him back. He slept right next to us, but it was still a bed and I still, I still could not stand up to get him. So I was tired. And I remember there was a couple nights that, you know, those newborn nights, whether they're either cluster feeding or teething, I felt like he was awake every hour. And it was awful. <laughs> it was so on top of just everything. I was just like, I'm so tired. And I remember going to sleep those couple of nights and between feedings, just half asleep, half awake, begging the Lord, Lord, I just need one hour of sleep. I just need one hour, please. And you know when the Lord tells you something, not verbally, but you know he's telling you, and I just felt the Lord tell me, no, you just need me. And I thought, oh, again, half asleep, half awake, like, oh, what does that mean? You know, like, I just want sleep. And I remember thinking, okay, Lord, I just need you. I just, I'm going to need to lean on you during this time. So I went back to number one, but it shows you that you need the Lord. Whatever you're going through, it shows you that you need the Lord. And then I already told you number two, it brings you closer to the Lord. I have a couple sub points under this. Um, how? How can it bring you closer to the Lord? Um, letter A, read your Bible daily. Read your Bible daily. I know we hear it at every conference. You need a walk with God you need a consistent walk. You need a time with the word. We've heard it already this, um, this weekend, but you do. If you don't have a walk with God, a consistent walk with God, today is the day to start it. Not when you go through a hard time. Not when you're, you know, going through a hard season of life, but you need to start it today so that when you get there, because hard seasons will come, when you get there, it's already a habit. 
So how does it bring you closer to the Lord? Read your Bible daily. Letter B, pray daily. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. For you. Pray and ask him daily for his help. He wants to help us. When we realize that we need him, then we just need to draw nigh to God as he draws nigh to us and get closer to him. Letter C is study and meditate verses about your season. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We are commanded not only to read our Bible and to pray, but we're commanded to study, study the word of God. And it's been mentioned already. And if you'll allow me, I want to get really practical here and share something that I did that really, really helped me. This is not the only way to study your Bible. This is not the way to study your Bible. There is... That's not what I'm saying. This is just something that I believe the Lord wants me to share with you that I did during this time. Number one is download a Bible app. I love the Blue Letter Bible app. There's a lot of apps out there. This app is not to replace your Bible reading. It's not to replace your physical Bible. It is just a tool. So stay with me. Uh, Look up five to ten verses on your season. So what do I mean by that? Just pick a word that you feel is going to help you during this time. Maybe it's the word contentment. Maybe it's the word um, friendship. Maybe it's the word love. Whatever it is, find that word. Um, yesterday, Ms. Bushy shared the word, do a study on anger, fear. Whatever that word that you feel is going to help you, pick it and then study it. Next is study each verse word by word after you've picked these verses and meditate on it. So during this time, I picked the word strength. I felt like I needed physical strength and I needed um, spiritual strength. And so that was my word during this time. And I thought, I'm just going to pick 10 verses on the word strength. And if you'll see the screenshots, this is the Blue Letter Bible app. In the Blue Letter Bible app, you can type in whatever word you want at the top, and it'll give you all the verses in the Bible with that word. So that's what I did. I typed in strength. All the verses come up. I picked 10 verses. And I would do this in the mornings. And I would not, I'm not asking you to do this for an hour. If you have an hour, great. I only had a few minutes or, you know, just a couple minutes where I could do this. And when I did it, I, sometimes I would only do one verse. Sometimes I would only get through half the verse just because it, it is a deep study, and that's okay. And so I would pick 10 verses. If you see the next screenshot, when you click on a verse in the Blue Letter Bible app, it'll give you this, this um, um, screenshot, and that first one says interlinear concordance. And that, when you click on that, it gives you the Hebrew word for every word in that verse. It gives you the definition, how to pronounce it, where else it's found in the Bible. And again, it's just a deep study where you can kind of see all about that verse. And so I picked, again, I picked the word strength. And I just want to show you what I did. So if if we go through verse Psalm 73, 26, my flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I would underline each word that I wanted to study. And then I would click on it on the app. And the app would tell me flesh means body and physical power. Heart means inner man and mind. Faileth means to fail, to finish, to be spent and exhausted. Strength means rock. So can you see how that really would, if I meditated on that, it would really help me? Um, One of my favorite commentators, uh, on the screenshot, one of the lines said text commentaries, and that's just other people who have studied that passage. Um, Matthew Henry said, a firm foundation which will bear my weight and not sink under it. Again, if you have your own way of studying the Bible, that's great. But this was just another tool that really helped me during this time. I was able to study these 10 verses and meditate on how God is my strength and how he's the only one that can get me through this. 
So if it helps you, great, I'm gonna move on. Number three, it makes you more compassionate. So uh, reason number three, to embrace your season, it makes you more compassionate. Compassion is a suffering with another, a sympathetic consciousness of others' distress with a desire to alleviate it. Jude 1.22 says, and of some have compassion making a difference. Whatever you are going through, somebody else is gonna go through the same thing. And you might be the only person that can sympathize with them. You might be the only person that can say, you know what, I've been there, and this is how I got through it. I've been there, let me show you what the Lord taught me during this time. Last summer, or this past summer, me and my sister-in-law, Ruby, and my mother-in-law, we all had planned to go to the fair. And we love, how many of you love the fair? Your Lake County Fair, we have, or not the Lake County Fair, but ours is Lake County Fair. Um, the fair food, the animals, the games, and we were so excited to take the kids to pet the animals, to eat some fair food. And the night before um, we were going, we had planned it all out. My sister-in-law calls me and says, you know what, Claudia, I hurt my ankle last night, and um, I don't think I'm going to be able to go. I thought I was going to be fine, but I can't walk on it. And I thought, oh, stink, I was disappointed. Like, you know, I had already told my son that we were going with Lorelai, and so that's a, you know, I learned that lesson real quick. I'm not supposed to tell him yet, because he was really disappointed. And I remember Tess saying, you know what, Ruby, can I, can I still pick up Lorelai and bring her with me? And she's like, yeah, of course. And so I pick up Lorelai, and at this point I have, you know, a four-year-old, a three, or Lorelai, who's three, two, and JJ, who's six months, and we, we all drive to the fair. I would have never done it by myself, but my mother-in-law was going to be there, so it was fine. And so we go, we have fun, it was a great time. On the way home, I remember thinking, the Lord just prompting me, do something for Ruby. And I'm just like, oh, I just wanted to get home after a long day at the fair. You know, I just wanted to relax. I just wanted to drop Lorelai off and leave. <laughs> um, but I remember, again, I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back, but that compassion drove me to do something for Ruby because I thought I would hate to be in bed all day or, you know, I, I know she was only, she had sprained her ankle, but I felt compassion because I had been there. I had been there where she was, and I thought, you know what? I just need to get her some groceries. And I thought, I do not want to go to the store with four kids. Again, I had four kids in my car, three of them mine, Lorelai. And I thought, I just need to do it. Lord, I think this is what you want me to do. I'm just going to run in. And so, of course, we get to Aldi, and I'm like, kids, we're running into Aldi. We're going to grab five things. We are going to, two of you are going to, one of you in the stroller, two of you are going to hold on to the stroller. One of you just walk with me. and Don't grab anything. You know, give them the whole rundown. We get inside of Aldi, and everybody has to go potty. And I was like, oh, no. I was like, why in the world? And so one had to go and the other and the other. And I'm like, OK, everybody just beeline to the bathroom. We all get to the bathroom. And somehow we managed to get everybody to go potty. And I'm like, OK, five things. Let's go. And so we get our five things. After that, it was great. We get our five things. We grab a pizza for dinner. And we were able to bless Ruby. And again, I do not say that to pat myself on the back. I say that because that was the Lord. That was the Lord showing me that he wanted me to do that, and that was compassion. You know, the Lord says in Jude one twenty two, and of some have compassion making a difference. Whatever you're going through, it's going to give you compassion for somebody else. Only you know how that feels. Only you know how whatever, again, whatever season you wrote down, only you know how the Lord is helping you through that. And you're going to be able to have compassion and sympathize with them. Reason number four to embrace your season is it brings a harvest if you faint not. Galatians 6, 9, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. This is the verse for the whole conference. Um, but if I could word that a little different, is there someone in your future 
that needs you to get through your season? What if my uncle would have quit? My uncle was, so I said I was on crutches for two weeks. My uncle was on crutches for seven years. What if he would have quit? He is now a pastor of a church. I would not be here if he quit. His children would not be serving the Lord if he quit. What if I would have quit? Would my siblings all be in church? Would my mom be here with me? I don't, I don't think so. Would there be a Tyler, an Ellie, or a JJ? Maybe not. What about all the people who have impacted me? I thought of Mrs. Bushy last night, or yesterday, who spoke. I have gone out with Mrs. Bushy. She is one of my counselors. I had questions for her. She has helped me. Not too long ago, she was probably going through something of her own. But she helped me. What if she would have quit during her, um, you know, her hard season of life? I wouldn't have been impacted by her. I think of everyone who's impacted my life, someone like my mother-in-law, Leah Woosley. What if she would have quit when she was going through a hard time? I wouldn't have my husband. I wouldn't, there would be no Woosley family. I think of people like Emily Moffat and Sharon Lewis and Jacqueline Weber, people who have impacted me. What if they would have quit? What if you quit? There is someone in your future. Is it your children or your future husband? Future grandchildren, you can't quit because they're there. God already sees it, but even though you can't see it, they are there. And you can't quit. You can't faint. So number one, um, to embrace your season, we said it, it shows your need for the Lord. Number two, it uh, draws you closer to the Lord. Number three, it makes you more compassionate. Number four, it bring, brings a harvest. And last point, it gives you strength for your next season. The fifth reason to embrace your season is it gives you strength for the next season. If I had a favorite point, this would be it. Romans 5, 3, and 4 says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. I can look back at my life and see that the Lord was with me when I was four. The Lord was with me when I was seven. The Lord was with me when I was ten. The Lord was with me when I was 15, 18, and even when I broke my leg. He has been faithful. He has gotten me through every step of the way, and that gives me strength for tomorrow. I could lose someone tomorrow. I could get cancer tomorrow. Lord willing, I, I won't. But I would hope and pray that I would lean on the God that got me through everything else. The Lord says in Psalm 105, um, Psalm 105.5, remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. If you allow your season now, whatever you wrote down, if you allow your season now to show you that you need God, if you allow it to bring you closer to God, get that walk with God, I believe you will get strength. You'll get through it with the Lord. Then you'll be able to help someone else. Point number three, compassion but then you'll be able to have strength for whatever comes next because next will come. You know, I hate when preachers say, if you haven't gone through a hard season, one is coming. I hate that statement, but that they're not wrong. You know, the Lord says, we shall have tribulations. Yes. And so a hard season may be coming. Maybe you're in it, but get through it with the Lord. So if I can just recap all five reasons to embrace your season, whatever you wrote down on this piece of paper. Number one, it shows you your need for the Lord. Number two, it brings you closer to the Lord. Number three, it makes you more compassionate. Number four, it brings a harvest if you faint not. 
And number five, it gives you strength for the next season. Thank you.